He is a very busy man and it's great to welcome on to the country the 41st Prime Minister of New Zealand, Chris Hipkins. He's the fifth one to be on this show since Helen Clark started the process way back in the year 2000. And Chris Hipkins, welcome to the country. Really appreciate you speaking to rural New Zealand. Back in those days, you were working for Helen Clark. Yeah, I spent a little bit of time working for Helen Clark just before the uh, 2008 election. So I was in her office in 2007-2008, sort of at the tail end of that, that government's time in office. And I've been uh, a member of Parliament since then. So I came into Parliament in 2008 and uh, have been uh, first in opposition and, and then in government. I grew up wanting to be an all-black, like a lot of young boys. What about you? Did you grow up wanting to be Prime Minister? No, I can't say I really knew much about politics at all as a young person. Um, wasn't even really of, uh, you know, aware of the existence of politics until I'd left school um, and then became a bit interested in politics from that point onwards. And then uh, just, you know, I, I did a, a degree in politics at university and kind of got, got interested in it. And um, I don't, can't say I necessarily ever thought I would end up holding this job, but um, one thing led to another and here I am. Does your family have a political history? Did mum and dad influence you there? Were you raised in a centre-left household? Not really. Um, we weren't a particularly political family at all, but I would say that the values that my mum and dad raised me on probably were were values that are pretty common to a lot of Kiwi families. And um, I was reflecting on this the other day. You know, one of the things that my mum used to say to me um, as we were growing up was, you can always see the people who have got more than you. You can't always see the people who have got less than you. And, uh, you know, I've, I've sort of lived by that mantra um, because, uh, you know, if, if you look at the people who are doing it tough, who are doing it harder than you, who've got less than you, uh, and you kind of remind yourself of that from time to time, it puts things in perspective. Um, I think people are always just looking at, you know, the, the people who have got more and who are doing better. Um, it's it's not a recipe for being happy in life. You've had a hell of a start, a baptism of fire, really. Do natural disasters, tragic natural disasters like Gabrielle, play into the hands of a new leader? And I, and I say this with all sincerity. It's an opportunity for you to stand up in front of the nation and be a safe set of hands on the national stage, much as you were kind of the go-to guy during the COVID disaster. I think it is a reminder that um, as a political leader, you don't get to choose your own terms of reference, really. Um, you know, ultimately, you have to respond to whatever's in front of you. And, you know, you can come into politics with all the best laid plans in the world and then events change everything. So I've, I've come into politics or I guess in, I've come into the role of prime minister with a fairly realistic expectation of what the job is all about. You know, I've got things that I want to achieve whilst I'm here, but I also acknowledge that actually, you know, sometimes the, the role of leadership is to lead people through unexpected events. And we've, we've had a lot of those lately. Yeah, if anyone was in any doubt about climate change, I think Gabrielle may have changed their minds. But do we need to change our minds about the way we think about climate change? Worry perhaps a wee bit less about reducing emissions and perhaps more on building to mitigate the changing climate. And I'm talking about obviously not building on floodplains, beachfronts, clifftops, doing things fit for purpose. Well, look, I think we actually need to do both. And I think we can learn a bit from the rural community in this regard. You know, when I drive around the rural communities, I don't see many farmers building their houses in the, in the valleys on their farms where they're likely to be flooded. And I also don't see them building them on the edge of cliffs either. Um, you know, I think 
there's a bit that we can learn from the way the rural community uh, understand the land that perhaps has been lost a little bit in some of our urban development and our urban planning laws and uh, approaches. So I, I think we do need to think about that, but I think we've got to do both. Clearly, we can't sustain what we're doing now. Absolutely. Let's have a look at your policy bonfire as it affects farming, the primary sector, rural New Zealand. Will it apply to how you're thinking about Hiwaka Ekanoa and taxing agricultural emissions? Um, we haven't made decisions on that yet. Hiwaka Ekanoa is basically a, um, us saying, look, we accept that the rural community, the farming community, think that there is a better way of dealing with agricultural emissions than um, than the emissions trading scheme. And so we want to create an opportunity to explore that and to try and reach a consensus, to try and reach something that we can make work. Um, we're still committed to that process. Now, obviously, we've, we've got to get an outcome out of that process if that's, where, if that's the way that we're going to go forward. So we, I want to see some outcomes out of it, um, but I'm, I'm not backing away from it. Do you have any rural connections, farming cousins in the back of beyond? Oh, I've, I spent a bit of time actually up in the Taranaki region when we, when, we were, when I was a young fella. Uh, my great-grandfather built a batch on the edge of a farm uh, in northern Taranaki, and so we spent quite a lot of time there in the summer holidays. But um, I, I, wouldn't, I would not uh, make a claim to uh, have a, a deep connection with New Zealand's rural community. Uh, but as a member of parliament, you know, I've had the opportunity to get out and about and speak to plenty of farmers um, and visit uh, you know, many of the industries that are supported by our primary sector. And I have huge respect for uh, the contribution that they make to New Zealand's way of life. Why has New Zealand so quickly warmed to you? Is it the chippy thing? Is it the boy from the hut? Is it the spread your legs? You had me at spread your legs, Chris Hipkins. Uh, well, <laughs> it's not my advice in every natural disaster. Um, but uh, look, I, I hope that people just, um, you know, see me as I am who I am. And, um, you know, I hope that people will see me as someone who um, is, tries to be fairly honest about what we've got in front of us. Things won't always be easy and things won't always go 100% according to plan. And so I've always found that New Zealanders are pretty fair-minded if you're, if you're up front with them and you just uh, level with them. And uh, that was certainly my approach during the COVID response, and it'll be my approach as Prime Minister. Um, uh, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, d- I don't spend a huge amount of time obsessing about polls, particularly not, this, not at this point of the electoral cycle. There's still, what, eight or nine months to go before we're into the election campaign, and the focus during that time's got to be on delivering the best outcomes for Kiwis possible in terms of the work of the government. Chris Hipkins, 41st Prime Minister of New Zealand, thanks for your time. Great debut performance on the country. I think we will uh, keep you on. I know you've got a lot on your plate with Gabrielle. Good luck. All right, thanks, mate. Take care.